Grace, mercy, and peace be with you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for this morning is from the epistle lesson just read a few moments ago. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. This is our text. You may be seated. How many of you here this morning just absolutely love to wait? Now the word patience, the idea of patience, of waiting, is something that we run into quite a bit in our daily lives, probably a few times a day, you could safely say. I'm sure many of you can think of a time where you told someone or someone told to you, just be patient, just wait. Or maybe those of you parents have used this one before, you're trying my patience. Our common culture, there's a lot of common popular sayings that have to do with this idea of patience, of waiting. I'm sure you've heard a few of these before. Good things come to those who wait. A watched pot never boils. Patience is a virtue. Rome wasn't built in a day. Or this one from our word for Wednesday, patience is bitter, but its fruit is sweet. Now, of course, it's not just our well-known, common, popular sayings that talk about patience, but our own Bible tells us a little bit about it as well. Love is patient. Whoever is patient has great understanding from our key verse for this week. Wait for the Lord. Be patient, bearing one another in love. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, constant in prayer. So see, both the Bible and our culture today have a lot to say about patience, or at least about waiting in general. We have to wait a lot for a lot of different things. I don't know about you, but people today just don't like to wait. It's because we don't like to wait. We want things done now that things like text messaging, the drive-through, same-day shipping, the express checkout lane at the grocery store, fast internet speeds, all of those things were invented because we don't want to wait We don't like to wait, and when we have to wait, we certainly don't like to do it patiently. Now, try as we might, the words waiting and patience, you really can't use those interchangeably. They just don't quite mean the same thing. You can't just say love is waiting instead of love is patient. It doesn't work quite the same way. You see, because to wait is really just that to wait for something, to put off doing something until something else happens. As you wait in line, you can't progress forward in line until something else happens at the front of the line to move your spot ahead. Now, patience certainly has a sense of waiting for something. You are patient in your waiting. But you don't have to wait patiently. It's very possible to be impatient and anxious 
Maybe angry because it's taking too long as you wait in the drive-thru for your morning cup of coffee before work. In these final ten weeks, the last third of our Believe series, we're striving to become more like Jesus, more like God himself. So it makes sense that if we're trying to know what real patience looks like, we look at our source. So let's take a look at what God's patience is like. Moses wrote in the book of Numbers, the Lord is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Now this phrase, slow to anger, is used at least nine times in the Bible to describe God's patience. Our text for today, St. Peter writes, the Lord is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Now these two verses tell us one big thing about God, and that is simply, God is patient. God is patient with us, with his people. He is slow to anger. He wants us to repent, to change. He doesn't desire us to perish. And our gospel lesson expands on this point. Jesus tells a parable about a fig tree that for three years just wasn't bearing any fruit. And so the gardener is presented with a choice. Since this tree is just a waste of space, he could very easily just chop it down and start over. Or he could take care of it, fertilize it, nurture it, and patiently give it another chance at bearing the fruit that it is supposed to. Now in this parable, God is the gardener, and at times you and I are like that tree. In our Christian lives, we, we just don't always bear the fruit that we are supposed to. But when we fail, when we fail to produce that fruit, God doesn't just chop us down. When God's people fail him, God does not fail his people. He is slow to anger. He's not quick to punish, to condemn his children, to chop us down. He doesn't wish that we should perish, and so he forgives, and he continues to give us second, third, tenth, hundredth chances. Now, in our culture that we live in today, this might sound hard to believe. What kind of person would give someone so many chances even after they continuously let them down? But our God is like that. Just take a look at the ancient Israelites. How many times did they turn away from God? How many times did they ignore his laws? Did they choose to worship idols instead of him? How many times did they do something foolish that got them into some kind of mess? And in their disobedience, how many times would God have been completely justified in chopping them down, in wiping them off the face of the earth and trying again? But in all of those times, how many times did God forgive them? How many times did he rescue them from their enemies? And did he promise to them and to us a Savior, a Messiah? See, God doesn't wish for anyone to perish. He desires all to reach repentance, to give us an opportunity to change our ways, to turn to him for forgiveness. And so he waits, and he waits patiently for us. See, God was 
and is patient with us, his people. And as we strive to be more like Jesus, we strive to live out the patience that God has shown to us in our own lives. Now, in our lives, we want to be slow to anger. We want to be patient with those around us. And as our key idea puts it, to endure the unavoidable pressures of life. And in our lives, I think there's really two main areas where patience can have a big impact. And the first one may be obvious, our relationships with others. In our yellow book, Randy Frazee gives us a decent list of examples of things that other people do that can try our patience. And this is including, but not limited to, traffic, being put on hold, a bad relationship, incorrect information, food that takes too long to come at a restaurant, annoying people, standing in lines, and I'm sure if you tried, there are plenty others that you could come up with. But one of the other ways that the word patience can be translated is long-suffering. As we go through our lives encountering all of these different situations and people that can try our patience, as we encounter these things that can cause us suffering, either great or small, God calls us to be slow to anger, to suffer long under the pressures that we encounter. And as we are long-suffering, as we are in these pressures, we look to God and we see his example of patience in our own lives. Now, some people are certainly harder to be a little more patient with. But God doesn't just call us to be patient with the people that are easy to be patient with. See, patience isn't just about being slow to anger or long-suffering, but it can have an added sense of showing mercy to those around you as you wait for them to get something done. Like God himself, be slow to anger, show mercy, be compassionate to those who have wronged you in some way. Now that means you're really not supposed to lay on the horn for the people who just cut you off on the highway. And we probably shouldn't mutter under our breath for the one person who's holding up the line at the grocery store. Now, as I mentioned, there were two areas where patience can have a big impact in our lives, but the second one might not be quite as obvious as the first. But like the book of Psalms tells us quite a few times, we are called to wait on the Lord, to be patient with God himself. How many of you have ever prayed to God for something, for an answer to a question, for guidance, maybe a direction in which he is calling you to go, and not really gotten the answer you were looking for, or an answer at all, for days, weeks, months, maybe even years later. You might remember this from our Word for Wednesday. I personally believe that waiting patiently is one of the hardest things that God asks us to do in our lives, especially when we don't know what the outcome looks like. It can certainly be easier to wait patiently when you know what the end result is going to be, but when you're waiting for that direction, for that guidance in any situation, big or small, it's not easy. And this could apply to any sort of thing, waiting for a job interview or to hear back from a job interview, some kind of health concern, 
praying for what's best for your family, where he's calling you to go, what he wants you to do with your life. But patience with God is dependent on a couple things. And patience has a sense of trust both in God and in God's promises to us. See, no matter our prayer, no matter our question, no matter our situation, God has promised to always be with us, to suffer with us, to take care of us, and ultimately he has promised us eternal life. And one thing that the scriptures teach us is that we do have a God who keeps his promises. Throughout the Bible, we see many examples of God promising many things to many people, and he always always keeps them, no matter how ridiculous they might seem. To Abram and Sarai, God promised a child. And even in their old age, when it seemed to be the most impossible, God gave them a son. And just as he promised, he made their descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. Through Moses, God promised to the Israelites a home In Canaan, they even called it the promised land. And even though it took 40 years of aimless wandering in the desert, and even though that specific generation didn't see the promised land, God gave it to their children just like he said he would. And really throughout the entire Old Testament, we see promises of a Savior, of a Messiah. From the very beginning in Genesis 3.15, we find promises of Jesus that the entire nation of Israel was waiting for. Now, this wasn't a promise that was fulfilled very quickly. It wasn't a few months later. It wasn't even 40 years later. No, this was a promise that literally took thousands of years to fulfill. But God did not forget his people or his great promise to them. Now, these few examples and many others that we could find show us that God has his own timing. And that timing doesn't always agree with ours. But it also shows us that when God makes a promise, that promise will be kept. No matter your circumstances, your situations, whatever pressures you are under, we do know that in God's time not ours, everything will work out in the end. Now like those Israelites who were waiting for a Messiah and never saw him, like those who were hoping to get into the promised land, it might not be an end that you see in your lifetime. But we are not called to wait patiently for an outcome we do not see because God promised us a home with him. So wait on the Lord. Be strong, take heart, and wait patiently for him. Because God has waited patiently for us, sinners. He is slow to anger and compassionate with us. And as he enables us, we pray that we may live our lives with patience for each other and even for God himself. Trusting that we do have a God who keeps his promises to his people and that he is with us in whatever situation we find ourselves. Amen. And now may the peace of God which passes all understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.